0: Hey guys, Dustin Wynn and you're listening to Bat Force Radio. Hey, this is Scott Snyder, and you're listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Paul Dini, listening to Bat Force Radio.
1: This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman, and you're listening to Bat Force Radio, so stay tuned.
0: Uh, welcome back to Bat Force Radio, the DC Batman podcast with no limits. Uh, let's go see who's on the round table tonight. We got Robert D. Cross in Canada.
1: Lonely Table tonight.
0: I'm Bad Force Tom in Southern California and uh, following up some recent episodes with some awesome talent from across many different mediums, tonight we have a special treat. We're taking a trip outside the city limits of Gotham, bringing you a guest that has some pretty amazing credits to their name. He's written for Dark Horse, IDW, and Image, including the charming and hilarious hit series Todd the Ugliest Kid on Earth, personal favorite. He's a seasoned and accomplished television writer with shows developed by FX, A&E, and Spike. And most recently, he's been working in the writers' room for Grant Morrison's *Happy* on the Sci-Fi Network, as well as both seasons of *Marvel's The Punisher* on Netflix. Holy shit! Please welcome Mr. Ken Christensen, baby.
1: Thank you, thank you. Great to be here. Yeah, thank man. You guys for having me on.
0: Of course. So, uh, like I was saying earlier, Ken, like uh, we've known each other for a bit. Most Hollywood meeting ever was a couple. It uh, was like almost man, almost eight years ago, I think. We're looking to train some dogs of ours that we had. Um, we rescued some dogs, and one of them really needed it badly, like some socializing, some dog training. Started going to Thank Dog Boot Camp in Burbank, California, right across from The Tonight Show, where, where Jay Leno produces his show and Ellen has her show. And uh, met you and Myrna Loy, right?
1: yeah Myrna Loy, my my Wire fox Terrier who uh, started as a puppy in that uh, dog training program. And you're right, it was super Hollywood because another Batman mega star was in our group. Yeah, that
0: so random, man. That
1: was Aldini.
0: yeah, and I didn't I didn't recognize him when he was when he showed up because uh, they did. I mean uh, Joe Joel or Joel Noel and uh, Jill didn't say like they didn't like say who he was. Right. They just said, oh, these, this couple has um, this show following him around. Caesar Milan's going to be following him around, and they're going to be doing our, our our program. I was like, oh, cool. And I remember seeing him and his wife, and he had, like, his, his beard is like salt and pepper now. So he had this, like, big salt and pepper beard. And I just remember seeing, you know, this big, tall, big dude. You know, he had shaggy hair, big salt and pepper beard. And later on, it was when I was talking to Noelle, and she was like, oh, you're going to Comic-Con? Like, yeah. She's like, um... Oh, yeah, Ken's down there. He's, you know, he's, he's working down there. And she's like, well, Paul's working down there, too. I'm like, Paul? What do you mean? She's like, you know, like, you know, Paul, who is here with his with his uh, with his wife and his two dogs. I'm like, yeah, she's like, yeah, I think he, I think he like I think he wrote like a Batman game once. And I'm like, wait, what? the <laughs> f-? wait, Paul Dini. She's like, yeah, Paul Dini. I'm like, that was fucking Paul Dini. She's like, yeah. I'm like, Jill, what the fuck? Like, and so and that's actually, we, had, we ended up having him on the show, too, because of that.
1: Oh, that's great. I didn't know you had him on the show, but I ran into him a couple of years ago at a Writers Guild event, and, you know, what did I have to talk to him about? But thank dog camp, <laughs> right. so I was like, hey, my dog went to boot camp with your dog. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know. You and i bonded over it it's hilarious anyway, yeah it's uh to where everybody meets
0: so we want to you know we want to get to know you a little bit better like we said we like we, we have a lot of batman stuff that we normally go over dc stuff but um you're heavy in the uh the uh, indie and the marvel train right now we want to get yeah. to that eventually but like what kind of got your start with writing as well as comics like how did those two meet you know what started first that kind of thing
1: sure sure yeah i was a huge uh batman fan growing up and uh a a massive comic book collector so you know I have a storage facility in uh New York that has over 15,000 comics in it and I have a a garage here in LA that uh you know since I moved here that has I don't know how many I haven't counted um (laughs) and uh anyway since since I was a kid you know I was a real hard hardcore collector and uh I was the kind of kid who like at 10 years old, I told my parents I wanted to subscribe to the comic buyer's guide, which, you know, uh, at that time was a weekly newspaper. It was like the Wall Street Journal for the comic book retailers. I am a like, you know, fifth grader. Who's getting this and pouring over it, reading it cover to cover every week, just you know, reading all of this insider stuff. And I just, uh, and I was also a, a comic book uh, letter writer, so letter column writer, big time That's when awesome. I was in, when I was in elementary school and uh, junior high. And I uh, got a letter published, you know, my first letter published, and I was like on cloud nine. I couldn't believe it. And I, yeah. and you know, I had always had this kind of idea that comic book writing would be the thing that I wanted to do because, you know, the difference between TV and film and, and novel writing and comics is really was at the time, the letter column where this is pre-internet. So it's like, you've got a real inside baseball view of what it was like to be an editor or a writer or an artist, uh, in comics. And then of course there were you know, comic book conventions. I would beg my parents to take me to comic book conventions as a small kid, comic book shops and all that. So it was like this community that that I really understood, whereas when I watched TV, I didn't, you know, I kind of knew that people wrote television and movies, but I didn't know their names uh, like I did with comics. Anyway, my first letter to the editor was published in a an issue of Firestorm and uh, nice. Jerry Conway, yeah, and Jerry Conway. Wrote that issue, and he also created the Punisher. Uh, and I was lucky enough to be on a uh, WonderCon panel with Jerry a couple of years ago, and I brought that issue. Whoa! And had him sign I brought I brought it to the panel, and I said, "Jerry, you don't know me, but you know when I was a, a little kid." You know, you published my letter in the back of Firestorm, and you you really set me on my path to uh, realizing a career as a writer. So that was amazing. And uh, from the time I was a little kid, I never gave up on that dream. I was like, I want to write comics. I want to write comics. And then when I graduated from undergrad, I applied to Marvel in D.C. And this was in the 90s where uh, Marvel was in Chapter 11, you know, bankruptcy. Mm, And it was like things were not looking good a editor at DC, Jordan Gorfinkel, never forget that name. He called me. He got my resume and he actually called me and he said, "Hey, you know, I got your resume. I just wanted to like talk you through this. We don't have any jobs here. There are no jobs in this business, you know. There probably won't be comic books in 10 years. The the publishing industry is dying. blah 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 blah." So that was a real bummer and I uh I kind of gave up at that point on the comic book front, decided, all right, I'm going to, you know, I'm in New York at this point, And I'm like, I'm going to hit the other business that maybe I could write in, which was magazines. Mm. So I wanted to write for like wizard. I wanted to write for, you know, something tangentially related to comics or pop culture. Right. Uh, and I ended up working at Condé Nast, which, you know, has a lot of pop, pop culture uh, magazines, nothing to do with comics. But um, I started travel writing, which was my other passion. I was like, I want to you know, travel the world. And I had done some of that in my life, in my teenage years, and, and uh, you know, I, I went to school in London for a bit. And I was like, I want to, you, know, make a living writing and traveling the world. So Conde Nas was a great place for that. I started doing a lot of uh, travel writing. Uh, I also wrote for National Geographic and a couple of other magazines. And one day in 2000, 2001, I'm I'm writing for Condé Nast and I'm doing a honeymoon review of a like five star resort in 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 Greece. Wow. On an island in Greece. And I and I'm sitting on the beach. I'm a single dude who doesn't. Have any prospects of getting married? Hasn't even thought about getting (laughs) married. And and I'm like, and I'm sitting there on the beach, surrounded by all these amorous couples making out around me and having like the most romantic, you know, couple weeks of their lives. And I'm supposed to be writing about this experience and advising people on, you know, whether this is a great resort and a great island to uh, come (laughs) on your honeymoon. But instead of doing my job, I'm actually sitting on the beach reading this new or relatively new, uh, definitely new to me comic called why the last man oh, yeah. that yeah and that was blowing my mind and i was like you know i i knew a lot of the, the names of a lot of comic book writers and i was like who is this brian cave on i never heard of this guy um uh, and i got off the beach after i read a couple of issues that i brought with me and i went to the hotel uh went to the um you know the little business center that they have i got on the internet looked up brian cave on and i read an article an interview that he did where he talked about how he went to NYU film school and that his film school experience was directly responsible for him uh, getting into comics. I was like, "Wow, that's interesting. I never would have thought of that." Mm. Anyway, four or five days later, I get back to New York, tell my boss, "I'm going to try I'm going to apply to film school." And uh, I had never talked to her about that before and she was like, "You what? are going to you're going to get your masters in in screenwriting and I was like yeah this guy Brian K Vaughn got his master's or you know or went to film school I can't even remember if you it was master's program or or bachelor's program but anyway right. I was like I'm gonna go I'm gonna do this I'm gonna quit my job and I'm gonna go to film school and she was like all right good luck and so I just started that process of applying to film schools I didn't have the guts to go anywhere but New York because I was like scared that uh scared to go anywhere else i guess i was like at least i have you know contacts here and a home base here and an apartment here and Mm -hmm. so i applied to uh nyu and columbia which are really the two top film schools in new york and i just i got into both uh schools but i decided i i i liked uh the campus columbia actually has a proper campus and nyu doesn't and i was like i want to be Surrounded by walls, you know, up near Harlem, and and shooting movies on the streets uh, on 125th Street, you know, I want to like this is going to be like a different world because right. I did not live uh, uptown, and I was like, all right, you know, let's do this. And my very first class, the professor put down, he said, here's the one of the books for this semester, and he and he dropped Scott McCloud's Understanding Comics uh, right. on on the desk, and this was a Introductory screenwriting class. This was called wow. a class of Elements of Dramatic Narrative, and it was the fact that the first book that he talked about was Understanding Comics. I was like, this is a sign. Like, yeah. I did, I picked the right place, and, uh, and and I think I'm on the right path. And about I don't know two months later, I'm at uh, I used to write my little film school scripts at a at a coffee shop, and the manager of the coffee shop she comes up to me and she says. I see you here every day writing. What are you writing? And I said, I go to film school and I'm, you know, writing these scripts. I have to shoot these short films as part of my class assignments And she goes, do you need a storyboard artist? Oh shit. I said, uh, sure. She goes, my husband's an artist and you know, he wants to get into storyboarding. And I thought, Oh, this is sweet. This woman's husband's an aspiring artist. Uh, Anyway, she put a coffee together with me and MK Perker and he shows up and he has his portfolio and his portfolio is all these illustrations that he's done for the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, you know, every major newspaper and magazine you can think of. And so I'm like, why is this guy accomplished artist, uh, you know, who's doing who's basically drawing the the. New York Times book review illustrations on a weekly or, or every other week basis. Why does he want to work with me? But it turned out he really wanted to break into comics. And uh, no and, and he thought storyboards were a way to do that too. Like, Or, or maybe he thought storyboards were another way of being a sequential artist um, and making some good money. So and in any case, he started doing my storyboards for film school and I, I started walking into class with essentially these comics. Like he, not only would he storyboard them, But he would ink them. He would color them sometimes. I'd walk in with like full comic book storyboards, not your average, you know, just pencil storyboards. So that started our our relationship together. And I said, let's go to a Comic-Con. Let's go to San Diego Comic-Con. He goes, what's a (laughs) Comic-Con? I said, you don't even know what a Comic-Con is. He said, no. I said, all right, this is, you know, this is going to blow your mind. That summer we went to San Diego for the first time and we started walking around with our pitch and, you know, our pitch consisted of uh, maybe 10 pages of art. And uh, it was a crime comic. We're really hardcore crime fans. And uh, at the time, the publisher of Image saw what we did and said, you know, this isn't, this isn't the right book for us, but you guys are professional level uh, writer artist team. You should pick, pitch us something else. And so it was my second year of film school when I pitched them Todd the Ugliest Kid on Earth. We, we, you know, we had come at them with a crime, a really dark crime story, and they rejected it. So we were like, let's go the other way. Mm-hmm. Let's do something wacky, absurdist, comedy, you know, still dark, still has a crime at the center of it, but not your yeah. not your typical, uh, you know, Sin City ripoff.
0: So, I have, okay, so you, you you have obviously a lot of history at that point f- with writing, uh, like travel stuff and, you know, what you were mentioning something that like blew me away is when I first picked up Todd and started reading it was like how funny it was and, and like how, like not just, not just funny, but like clever and laugh out loud funny. Like when you're reading it, you're, you're just like laughing. Like you're literally laughing out loud. How, how did you, where did you get that ability to write comedy?
1: That just is kind of, that just came naturally. I was always a class clown. I was always, I always love comedies. I like dark comedies, especially. So I also, when I was in film school, worked for Todd Solondz, the film writer director. He, his movies, I love. Welcome to the Dollhouse, uh, I think is a masterpiece. Happiness, uh, you know, just. And I worked on his film Palindromes. The story behind Todd, the Ugliest Kid on Earth, is I was working for Todd. MK came to the set. I said, MK was a big Todd Solondz fan. I said, MK, you should come to the set. I'll introduce you. <laughs> I introduced MK to Todd, and they did not get along. <laughs> and, and MK went home and drew a kid with a bag on his head and said, "This is Todd, the ugliest kid on Earth." And I said, "That, that, that should be a comic." Um, so yeah, it all it all started because of Todd Salon. So anyway, yeah, I've, I've I have this need to write comedy. Uh, I always have loved comedies, but um, you know, it I didn't have to hone that skill it's just you know having absorbed and and my some of my favorite comics of all time uh are the keith giffen uh oh, jd yeah. yes. uh justice league international like that book was the book that i probably looked forward to the most as a kid mm-hmm. every month i'd be like oh my god i can't wait wait for justice league international you know anything those guys did together was hilarious yeah. ambush bug was great um so I was a big fan of, of Booster Gold, Booster Gold, and yeah, and Blue Beetle. I was like, you know, obsessed with that. That, that to me was a, a revolutionary comic. Um, that kind of turned. It really showed you what the potential was for a team book. Yeah. You know, to really inject comedy into it, and uh, yeah, that to me, uh, that book's a masterpiece. I, and I've heard somebody told me recently, oh, there's a there's a big absolute edition yeah. or a big omnibus of, of that run probably. i got it it's, oh, you do? it's you
0: great them? dude yeah i love it i gotta get that it's great
1: you did everything the right way uh, every time an aspiring comic book writer asks a current comic book writer i want to write comics how, how do i how do i how do i get into writing comics they will always tell them well don't try to write comic just write uh-huh. and that's exactly what you did you were you were just writing things and yeah, another example of how it happened. Yeah, and I, I also, um, you know, I, I feel like I got real lucky, too. I mean, you know, the fact that this artist just fell in my fucking lap is crazy. <laughs> At like, a coffee shop. Know, I wasn't even looking for him, and he came to me. It was, you know, and we and we became best friends. It wasn't just like, oh, we had a nice working relationship. Like, I'm like the godfather to his daughter, you know. i no. um, uh And we've done many projects together and we're doing a new project right now um so yeah it's, that relationship has now lasted almost 18 years or uh, 17 years something like that so yeah it, part of it is luck part of it is working hard putting yourself in the right position uh but you know i always tell people um you know just submit your stuff keep submitting your stuff because even though i had had positive feedback when we went to that comic that when we went to san diego that that year, that first year, even though I had positive feedback, we, it wasn't like we had a connection there. We actually blindly, sub, you know, we just sent a FedEx off. Like, you know, the next year we sent a FedEx off, and, uh, and oh, and by that point, Image had a new publisher, Eric Stevenson, which I didn't, who I didn't know, who I'd never met. So the fact that they pulled our our submission out of their pile and they get. I don't know, hundreds of submissions every year, and they pulled hours out of the pile and they uh, called us up and said, "We want to do this." That's kind of a you know winning the lottery. Like, yeah, I mean, obviously, they they don't have a lot of room on their slate <laughs> for new writers and artists, you know, because so many major writers and artists uh, want to work at Image. Mm. But I always tell people, like, submit it because. If it's strong, it's not like they throw those submissions in the garbage. I'm here to testify to that. Yeah. Like I submitted it and months went by. Almost a year went by before we got that call. Wow. I, I'd, I'd given up almost. I, yeah. I, I was like, oh, we haven't heard from them, which is a good thing. You know, you're like, at least I haven't heard a no. Right. But maybe they do just throw these away. Or maybe they don't call you when they don't want you, you know. Yeah. I always tell people, you got to submit, like, I'm here to say that it it does work. They do look at everything because they are hoping to find a gem. Yeah, but that's really how it happened. And then I uh, graduated, moved to Los Angeles, and I, I won this, the Academy Awards has this fellowship called the Nickel Fellowship, which is a screenwriting fellowship. And I won that. And basically, when you win that, they pay you to write a screenplay. So wow. you have to submit a screenplay to win. And again, it was like this weird lottery. It was like seven thousand submissions and they pick five scripts and, and mine got picked. So I won that and they pay you to write a script and that kind of kicked off my Los Angeles, Hollywood uh career. It helped me uh, you know, in terms of like when you win that Everybody wants to meet with you. All the studios want to meet with wow. you. You know, J. Abrams' company wanted to meet with me. It was like you start getting your agent. Uh, I had an agent at the time who couldn't believe it. You know, this guy <laughs> had signed me out of this guy had signed me out of film school, and then I win this award, and he was like, "Oh my god, this is amazing." That really kind of kicked things off for me uh, in terms of film and TV, and and I started selling shows. And the first show that I sold was actually Todd the ugliest kid on earth. Oh, that was Netflix. your first one? Yeah, that was my f- I didn't realize well, that. Actually, it wasn't my first show, but it was my first narrative show. I actually sold two or three reality shows. Oh shit. Uh, before that
0: reality shows
1: are so easy to sell uh, (laughs) (laughs) because you really just have to have the right personality you know the the right the right concept can you can sell a reality show with the right concept it's hard to sell a fictional narrative show with with just a concept i don't most people can't do that especially unknowns you can't just walk into a room and say like all right it's 310 to yuma modern day you know you can't just come in and, and that's kind of how i pitched that reality show i was like it's a modern day 310 to yuma and it's about these real people who transport prisoners across the country and they aren't cops and they barely know how to drive and they you know like it was this crazy it, it is this crazy business right. uh, this uh, extradition uh business where you don't you can transport you know criminals of all levels all over the country, without you know having Lonely. any law law enforcement oh, background. That's fucking nuts. Yeah, so I sold. I did sell sell a couple of shows, but then my first scripted show was uh, Todd the Ugliest Kid on Earth. Uh, FX saw the comic book, uh, loved it, wanted to hear a pitch. What would this TV show be like? And I I went in with um, the animation studio. It was going to be an animated show. Animation studio is called. Uh, shadow machine and they do the animation for bojack horseman oh yeah and so and this was right when bojack horseman i think had just come out so you know this is like four years ago five years ago Mm -hmm. and we walked into fx and pitched it and they bought it in the room and uh wow uh, were super stoked and you know but like most Projects you sell it, they pay you to write the pilot, and then they didn't do the pilot, mm-hmm. uh, which was a bummer. But um, that I think the rights to that are reverting to me in a month or two, no so I'll get way. the and I'll try to sell it to Netflix or something. Sweet. That's so you my c- plan.
0: you glazed over, or you glossed over rather. You very quickly glossed over the fact that that book was a. It sold out first print very quickly. Yes. And then it went to several prints after that, and it was like. Everyone was reading that book at the time when when it came out.
1: It was, yeah, it was amazing. Uh, I didn't realize that that could happen. And uh, I remember like a week or two before it before it came out, issue number one was coming out in a week or two. And I I had started this Facebook page for it just mm-hmm. to kind of get the word out a little bit. And I went on the Facebook page. And you know where it says like X number of people are talking about this. Right. And it was like, I can't remember the number, but it was thousands and thousands of people that are talking about this. And I was like, it's not even out yet. What, <laughs> what could they be talking about? And then I went on some movie Facebook page, you know, some studio movie Facebook page, and it was like 800 people are talking about this. I'm like, how could thousands of people be talking about Todd the Ugliest Kid on Earth, but, you know, only 800 people are talking about the studio movie that actually has TV commercials and things. So... Uh, it was it was amazing, and, and I was doing a signing the day it came out. I was signing – did a couple signings. I did, uh, did one at Golden Apple, and I did one at Comic Bug in Manhattan Beach. And I was, like, signing, and the owner of Comic Bug comes over to me, and he goes, hey, you know there aren't any more books at Diamond. You know, you're sold out. <sighs> and I was like, what? In the first day? He was like, I'm telling you. He goes, I can – I look on my computer, I can see what the inventory is, and there aren't any left. So, yeah, it sold out, and, right. and immediately they did a second printing. And then you know issue two came out, and it sold out the first day, and they did a second print. So, yeah, it did very well. And then the trade came out, and that sold out, and they did a second printing of the trade. So, you know, all in all, we did eight issues, two arcs. Uh, we, I wrote a third arc. We have been slowly working on that Hmm. for years and the artist who, I don't know if people know this, but even when you have a sellout book, uh, it doesn't mean you're making a lot of money and, you know, and it's a lot of work for him and he's got a kid, he's got all this responsibility and, and, and he's got another full-time job. So, um, it's uh you know it's just a situation where i keep telling him like all right look i understand you can't do that much work without a page rate um i totally get that but i'm gonna sell this as and we're gonna make this as a tv show and then you're gonna be making more money because you're gonna be get, getting some money from the show and then we can put that money into the book uh nice. so he's like all right all right we're gonna do that so.
0: <laughs> yeah i was gonna tell you the about the um uh, the release of the book, the the day that it came out, I was at that Golden Apple signing, um, and I remember like talking to you for a bit, and you know grabbed grabbed a couple of issues and was walking out, and as I was walking out, I was like just kind of putting my stuff together, and uh, Twiggy Ramirez, the uh, ex bass player for Marilyn Manson, had just walked out like at the same time as I did, and I was like oh shit, and I'm like I had to say something. I'm like I fucking love this guy right because he's also I think he worked with Nine Inch Nails for a while too, I d- uh-huh. toured with them and I think maybe did a couple of records, so I was like hey Twiggy man like. Huge fan, love all your stuff. And he's like, oh, thanks, dude. He's like, you picking up comics? I'm like, yeah. He goes, yeah, yeah, I just grabbed one too. He goes, I got one from the guy in there signing. I was like, oh, no way. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm like, enjoy it, man. He's like, yeah, yeah, I will. So Twiggy Ramirez from Nine Inch Nails and Marilyn Manson picked up <laughs> Todd this
1: Kid on Earth. So, That's awesome. Yeah, That's it great. is awesome. <laughs> well, it's funny because I have a little Marilyn Manson connection because Marilyn Manson loves The Punisher. And at our rap party... For season one, he showed up Whoa. To, to our rap party. So I got to hang out with him a little bit and uh, talk to him. You know, he really wants to act. So he's yeah,
0: like
1: really he, looking to, uh, to to do more acting. You know, um, he did what American Horror Story. Was that what he did? Or? He did that. And it, I think he
0: did. Uh, he also did Sons of Anarchy, too.
1: That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Sons of Anarchy. Yeah,
0: like- he, he was really good. I mean, he was good in it. Yeah, played a nice dirtbag. So.
1: Yeah, that kind of you know was was my entry into TV into scripted television. Really was writing that pilot for FX, and then I decided you know I really wanted to staff, and I uh, started pursuing you know shows uh, that made sense for me. You know, obviously comic book shows uh, make a lot of sense. It's easy for me to walk into a interview for a comic book show and co- you know brainstorm ideas and come up with mm-hmm. uh, concepts that make a lot of sense. So. Punisher. I was I was a huge Punisher fan as a kid. I grew up with a giant Punisher poster on my wall. My mother thought I was like going to be a you know <laughs> trench coat mafia uh, shoot up the school kind of guy. She would see this poster. It was a Mike Zeck, uh, huge Mike Zeck print. You know, one of the covers from the the miniseries uh, that Zek did in the '80s that really reinvigorated the Punisher. And you know, I just love that character. And uh, sure enough. You know, when word came down that, that Marvel was going to do the Punisher spinning off of the of Daredevil Season 2, I was lucky enough to get an interview there. And, uh, man, I studied up for that interview. <laughs> you know, it had been a while since I had read Punisher. I studied up for that interview for like five straight days. I didn't sleep. I just consumed wow. Punisher stuff. Wow. And, and brainstormed, you know, my own ideas, what, what I would do with the character and whatnot. What did
0: you, what did you like, review in that time? Any stories? I
1: mean, yeah, I mean, everything. I I think I, I just figured they were going to go Garth Ennis. Oh, yes. Uh, and so I, I was like, I really got to read all of those again. I got to read the funnier ones, the pre-9-11. You know, Garth Ennis has, like, this pre-9-11 arc. And then he's got post-9-11, which is much more serious and much darker. So, you know, I really studied up and went into that interview guns blazing. Nailed and, uh, it. Yeah, and, you know, walked out of that interview feeling like if I don't get this job, it's not because I didn't put it all out there. Like, right. I, I I went in that interview, and I think I, I didn't stop talking for the whole hour and a half or however <laughs> long it was. Like, I just kept – it was like, you know, nonstop. I just – ideas were just spewing forth and uh and i had this notebook with me that was full of the ideas right like i had written them all down or sketched them out on paper and when i was leaving the interview the marvel executive said yeah could you leave that notebook for us fuck no uh, yeah no he was he was joking around but Uh i took it as a good sign (laughs) right i took it as a good sign that he saw value in what i was talking about (laughs) and uh and a couple weeks later i got the call that i was going to be on season one so that was the thrill of a lifetime and really uh, it's amazing you know started that and then when i heard grant morrison was doing happy i was like i gotta get an interview on that show i mean that's that's my comedy right dark right. uh violent comedy <laughs> yeah and and it's grant I you know who i've been a fan of since I was a kid, and uh, and I and I had met Grant a few times at Comic Con. I had really liked him as a human being. I thought he was the sweetest guy in the world. Yeah. So I was like, I'd love to work with this guy. Just the creativity that you know—he's just a fountain of creativity, and he happens to be a super, super nice guy, like the nicest guy you'll ever meet. It's exactly um, what I got when I met him. Yeah. Yeah. Sweetheart so dude. Uh, yeah. So I. You know, I, I went into that interview uh, as prepared as possible, and and what the create it was Grant and Brian Taylor had created the Happy TV show. Brian Taylor is famous for the Crank movies. He was the oh, that's right, uh, writer director of the Crank movies with and Jason he, Statham. He, yes, and he directed the Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance movie with Nick Cage. And uh, uh, you know, to uh, to his chagrin, he wrote the uh, Jonah Hex movie, which. <sighs> He hates, but he you know he insists. If you read the original script, it's a great script, sure, best thing he's ever written. But cool, anyway, cool soundtrack
0: had, though, made by Mastodon the band. Did the, yeah, is they, that right? Yeah, I they did know. they did original music for that movie, which was kind of cool. But
1: well, he read. My agent sent him "Todd, the Ugliest Kid on Earth," uh, the FX pilot that I wrote, Ooh. and that's what got me the job. He was like, anybody who can write this crazy, dark, absurdist stuff, we want you know writing on Happy. So right. So that even though that Todd pilot, you know, went nowhere, it did serve to get me the happy job. So Nice. That's good. It does have that yeah, sim-
0: the 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 show does have that similar taste which is like it's it's wacky out of control like so yeah. of course yeah, yeah you'd be perfect for the that The
1: humor comes out of nowhere like you, you don't see it coming sometimes and that's what's brilliant about that show i say it's a no-brainer anyone that uh, that pens something like todd is you couldn't have a better match than than the stuff that goes on in happy oh thank god
0: <laughs> <laughs> going back just a bit what was it what was it like working in the in the room with uh Four punisher i mean jesus christ like I mean, to be honest, I love I love Daredevil, love the other Netflix shows, but Punisher has been my favorite out of all the Netflix shows.
1: All right, well, I'm super happy to hear that. I um, yeah, I mean, the room was amazing. It was all these super talented writers. There were eight of us. Uh, the creator of the show is Steve Lightfoot, who came from Hannibal. If you've, if you know, if you're gonna hire somebody to write the Punisher, getting one of the writers of Hannibal is a great idea because that show is super dark and. Uh, super smart and interesting. And uh, season one and season two, we had the same writing staff, which is very unusual. Usually there's a lot of turnover. You know, people leave, people get other jobs, or people realize they're not the right fit and they end up going away. But season one and season two, we had the same writers. So it was great. And we're all like family. Like that writing staff clicked in a way that I think few writers' rooms click. Love to hang out together. And so, you know, even in the off season, we're. Getting together, we're going. You know, we're having barbecues. Everybody's coming over. It's awesome. Our our kids play together and stuff. So, yeah. yeah, So it's great. Hopefully, we'll have a season three of of uh, Punisher, and we can continue that. Right. So nice. That's what everyone's hoping.
0: Right. 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 So how? Like, have you guys have not heard anything about that? Like, how that's going to work or anything like that?
1: We haven't heard anything, and you know, I I think that's very deliberate. You know, why (sighs) why distract anyone from watching? The, the current season exactly you know? yeah yeah so, i
0: mean, yeah they're, they're they got a product out right now that they want you to go see they don't want to deter any views at all that's right right so
1: so you know i if the pattern is consistent with the pattern of daredevil then you know we should know whether we're getting picked up or not soon i would think
0: mm-hmm. the hope on our end is that you know um you guys just find a, a home and maybe at that disney platform and uh, it just continues on there. And it's, you know, probably, uh, I mean, it's unreal. Like, we f- you finally get this insane, who, who would have ever thought that you can get a TV show of The Punisher that's as nutty as it's, it's? It's like, it's exactly what it needs to be. As violent, as bloody, but also with, like, spirit in it and, like, in, in, you know, humanity in it. I feel like um, it would be a shame if we didn't get a way to continue those things. Me too. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> uh, so back to Happy. So you, uh, Todd gets you the uh, the in over in the writer's room for Happy. Um, how much is is uh, Grant involved in the show?
1: Oh, he's so involved. Season one, he was in the writer's room every day. Holy shit. The whole time. Yeah. So, wow. And he'd never, he'd never been in a writer's room before. Season two, he was in the writer's room for six weeks Mm. so so that's about a third of the time and then he but he also has another show uh that he created called brave new world based on a novel called brave new world which you might have read in high school yeah um so he's, he's been working on that, too. So he was juggling Happy and Brave New World and writing Green Lantern and, you know, all the other comic stuff he does, including being the editor-in-chief of Heavy Metal. And Grant right. is, a, is an amazingly prolific guy. So the fact that he has two shows going simultaneously and a whole bunch of comics stuff uh, is, is pretty amazing.
0: What's it like having and having work what's it like working with him in the room like that?
1: yeah, he's a phenomenal collaborator. he has no ego, he loves the spirit of writers' rooms, which is you know everybody just kind of starts throw spitballing ideas. he loves that he's never been exposed to it before you know he sits in a castle in Scotland <laughs> for the last thirty years, you know writing comic books, and now suddenly he's surrounded by in that case, I think we have ten writers, so it's like he's surrounded by nine other people who are spitballing ideas about his characters. And you might think somebody would get really territorial or or really, uh, you know, kind of protective of their characters. But he, again, maybe it was the alchemy of the writers that were hired, but he's very open and like, just wants the best for the show. And just, you know, is the most generous spirit, uh, in terms of encouraging people to share, you know, their opinions and, and to take risks. So, He loves it. Uh, Just to plug, Happy Season 2 comes out March 24th. If you haven't watched the uh, trailer on YouTube, Season 2 trailer is out uh, season two is 10 episodes instead of eight. The original season was eight. So it's crazy. It's nutty. And, uh, and you'll love the trailer. Watch the trailer on YouTube. It's great. Hey, if you haven't watched season one yet, it is on Netflix right now. So, uh, go yeah. watch it right now. That's what I was going to ask. I know it's, yeah. I
0: thought it was recently on Netflix. Yeah. So, uh, many, yeah, many ways came of out watching on
1: Netflix it. It came out on Netflix in January in the U S and it came out on Netflix. I don't know, six months ago in, uh, in the rest of the world so it's worldwide on netflix right amazing
0: before we let you go you got like a quick five minute lightning round with us if you want to do it i'd be happy to cool peanut or plain m&ms peanut um new york or chicago style pizza Chicago oh Jesus all right That's usually
1: a, a rare answer yeah
0: everyone normally goes for the New York not only do they go for the New York they end up trashing Chicago a lot of the time
1: <laughs> oh no I I don't uh I don't eat pizza anymore but mm. I ha- was a pizza eater my whole life and my favorite pizza I think of all time is masa in Echo Park, if anyone lives in L.A., oh, yeah. go to Masa in Echo Park. It's the most amazing deep-dish pizza you've ever had. Ooh,
0: I'm going to check it out. Um, okay, Batman and Catwoman or Batman and Talia?
1: Batman and Catwoman, for sure. Right. Hands down. Love it. Favorite DC character? Uh, favorite DC character has got to be Batman. I mean, my, I'm brain, I have a two-year-old. I'm brainwashing him uh, <laughs> to, to love Batman I have I have every action figure ba- Batman action figure that's available including like a 3 foot tall one and you know I just got the Mego for him uh, you know the Mego is the one where you can you know take off right. Batman's clothes and stuff and yeah. like I am a Batman nut and I want him to be a Batman nut so yeah. yes Batman all the way
0: my kid my kid is also uh, just turned 2 and he's now in my I can't let him in my office anymore because I have everything on display and I'm, I'm out of age-appropriate, like, toys and figures. Like, he comes in here, he thinks it's a toy shop. And yes. Daddy's room? Daddy's room? No no, daddy's room. Not, not today. <laughs> yeah. So, get out. Yeah, I get you. Um, favorite Marvel character?
1: That's a tougher one. Uh, but, you know, if I'm being totally honest, I think I gotta go Spider-Man.
0: Yes, Peter Spiderman. Attorney at Law. I love him.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Um, uh, in and out or Shake Shack? Oh my God, that's a tough one too. Uh, I gotta go Shake Shack. Oh, okay. Ken! Breaking my heart. I do. There's a, you know, part of part of my, I love both, but part of my love for Shake Shack is the service is faster.
0: Right. You're an East Coast guy originally, right? Yes. I'm okay. a New York
1: guy originally. All right, so see, there it is. Five Guys is a thing. Yeah. Um, on the East Coast that I love. There happens to be a Shake Shack, a Five Guys, and an In-N-Out. <laughs> kind of equidistant from my house where i live right now Dangerous. in la so um but shake shack has been the thing recently i've, I've picked shake shack over uh over the other two uh, more consistently
0: all right very good again um check out uh punisher uh season two as well as happy on sci-fi or on netflix ken seriously man thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us this was a lot of fun
1: it's great man i appreciate you having me on and uh Also, I would like to plug one other thing, which is Oblivion, which is a uh, comic that I'm doing now. It's a monthly. Issue 5 just came out last week. Uh, So Oblivion, get it at your local comic book shop, anywhere you find comics. Uh, And then Fairy God Brothers, which came out uh, last year, Uh, but it's a big hardcover graphic novel. Also, M.K. Perker did the art. Uh, It's a lot of fun. It's very uh, funny. It's it's got a Todd sensibility to it. And uh, anyway, those are the the two books that are uh, in store now.
0: Who's doing the uh, art on Oblivion?
1: Oblivion is a a guy named Francesco Gaston. He's an Italian artist who's uh, worked for Image and Marvel in the past, and he's doing an incredible job. If you Google uh ken christensen oblivion or francesco gaston and you look at the cover of issue five it's incredible (laughs) and and the trade will be out the first trade will be out in april so uh look for the oblivion trade in april
0: awesome cool man thanks so much again ken all right guys
1: it's good talking to you have a good night all right
0: absolutely all right man take it easy bye-bye